So I thought I'd go through in this little podcast today um, the process and the thought process and the design process that we use in determining how we're going to change a garden and the sorts of things that we think about. Now, I've put on our Facebook page and I've put on our YouTube channel the so a little PowerPoint presentation of the design that I'm talking about. And you might find it's useful if you click on there um, and you just have a look, but I'll try and explain things as much as I can if you aren't actually clicking on anything. So you'll have to use your imagination and your mind's eye for this as we go through it. But hopefully by understanding the questions that I ask in terms of creating a design and what I'm looking at in a garden, it will help you look at your garden in a different way so that you can find ways to change it and to improve it. So this garden that I'm talking about today was actually a garden based in North Wales. Now, I will declare it is a very old friend of mine, which is why I'm doing the podcast on her garden, because I know she won't mind me putting up her photographs of her garden and that she won't mind me talking about it. But in essence, this friend of mine um, had moved to a house in North Wales and had inherited a, it was a fairly new house, and inherited a fairly new garden. Suffice to say, if I actually sort of took a look at the garden, it's been created by a landscape gardener. Now, I know a lot of landscape gardeners are going to sit there and say, you can cry foul for me saying this, but a lot of landscape gardeners create gardens based on the landscapes that they can build into the garden. For example, their fundamental principle of business is to sit there thinking, what can we put in the garden that we can build, that we can sell, that we can create. So you tend to get probably a higher proportion of hard landscaping, i.e. bricks and mortar, than maybe planting when you've used a landscaper. They love their patios, they love their fences, they love their retaining walls, they love putting in the lighting, because all of those things are elements of gardening that they understand, that they do really well, and they can build some fantastic looking gardens, don't get me wrong. But sometimes they can also build gardens that really don't do much and don't add much. Now, in this particular instance, my friend Lorraine lives in a very beautiful part of the world. And she's surrounded by hills and trees and a very natural, wild Welsh landscape. And her garden's probably a fairly average size. It's probably about 15 metres square. And she's got a large conservatory that juts out into the back garden. And it's a south-facing garden, which is lovely in Wales because it does rain a lot and it's very green. But then you start taking a look at actually what's been created. Now, all the surrounding countryside around her, as I've said, is very green, it's very lush, and it's very natural looking. But the garden that has been enclosed is very unnatural, in the sense that there is a lovely big patio. Now, not saying that we shouldn't have a patio or anything else, but it's a patio laid in red brick herringbone. It's then the whole garden has been laid to gravel. The designers of this garden have then built a path, which 
appears to actually hit a retaining wall. There are some lovely fences all the way round, and there is a raised bed on one side that is clad in natural Welsh stone, which is lovely. And then they've put some planting on there. But the fences themselves, they've painted a very pale, light, sagey green. And it's a very, very different green colour to all the greens around. The garden that's laid to shingle, the, the stone that's being used, is a very different colour to the natural stone that is lining the, the retaining wall. And the patio is red, which again, there isn't anything in the landscape that's red. So in essence, what's happened is all the landscapers have done is they've said, okay, here's your garden space. We're going to box it off. We're going to really clearly demarcate where your boundaries are in really straight lines. And then we're going to paint them a really bright colour green so that you are very, very aware of all of those straight lines. Saying, here is the end of your garden, here is the side of your garden, and here is the other side of your garden. And everything within the garden is not going to be reflective of anything that's outside the garden. So all the shapes of the plants that we put in, which in this case they've used a lot of conifer and topiary, are all clipped and they're very static and they're very dome-shaped and nothing moves. And then we've got the patio, which is a very red colour, this red herringbone. And herringbone isn't, you, you, you've got a natural stone wall, which is all very sort of higgledy-piggledy, and then this very modern, rigid, stylized herringbone of the, of the patio, which they've curved. So then we have a curve in a square box with rigid domes and fake colours, or should we say unnatural colours. Now, to my eye, what that does is that just says, here's a garden, and there's nothing in that garden that captures your attention. In fact, what you notice is how different the garden is from the outside world. It's very much saying that this is an artificial space. And that's not something that I personally like as a designer, or I think is actually really beneficial. It's saying here lies and lives a human, and the natural world and the outside world and the, the animal world and everything else and insects and anything else are not welcome here because this is a human's patch. So that's what I see. Now, as my friend, she's a busy lady, she works long hours, so she needed a garden that she can sit down and enjoy that won't create too much work. And she didn't have a budget where she wanted to, to redesign the whole garden. So what we've got to do is we've got to try and bring in to the garden things that are going to make the garden look better without having to spend a lot of money. And we've got to remove from the garden this element of unnaturalness so that the garden seems to sit more in line with the world around it. It doesn't seem to be quite so at odds with the outside world. If you look at the pictures on the website um, that I've put on the post that I've put about, you know, designing a garden in Wales, you'll see that the first thing that I've done with this garden is actually to say, let's remove the boundary. This particular garden actually has a, has a, has a stream, has a small river at the end of the garden, and so there's a bank the other side. 
Now, the previous owners or the previous gardeners had created this fence. Immediately, you're blocking off one of the nicest elements of the garden, which is actually being able to walk down and lean over your fence and watch the stream go by. What we've done is, first of all, we've removed part of the fence. We've left the part of the fence that hides the oil tank for the central heating system. And we've put in just a very simple, very natural fence in there with a few fence posts and a couple of cross beams because we don't really need to keep anything out. We're not what neighbours looking in from that side. And we've got the stream. And the idea is that the garden will look now so that it extends beyond this very rustic fence down towards the stream and beyond. So that's the first thing that I've looked at to try and bring the outside into the garden and make the garden feel bigger. We're not defining our boundaries quite so tightly. The second thing that we really needed to look at is when you actually stand at a garden and say you stand at your back door and you, you look out, I tend to do it two ways, even with a photograph. I shut my eyes and then I look at the garden or look at the photograph I'm looking at and then I open them and there is something that catches your eye straight away. There always is. And then you have to ask whether that is a good thing or whether that's a bad thing. Now in this particular instance, and you'll see the photograph on, on the website, but there is this curving path that goes down the garden, but it hits the wall. It doesn't actually go to the shed at the end. It doesn't actually go to the path that goes to the shed at the end. It just kind of curves into the wall. So my immediate thought process is, well, what's the path for? Why do we have a path? Where's it going and what's it doing? And all it's doing is making your eye look down the line of the path. But it doesn't achieve anything. We don't actually need a path. We've got stones to walk across. I took the decision that the most important thing we need to do is actually, first of all, get rid of the path. And then all of a sudden the garden seems to feel wider. We haven't got something visually cutting it in half and directing our view to another to another place. Now Lorraine didn't want to have more garden borders. She didn't want to have things that she was going to have to dig over or spend money or what have you doing. But we needed to try and make the garden look more homely and seemly by making adding more plants to it. There weren't that many. And what we've done are two things. The first thing we've done is we've we've introduced two pot gardens. Now these are using really large pots. And what I suggested to Lorraine was have an eclectic mix of containers that would have been used in your environment and grow plants in those rather than artificial, gorgeous looking, expensive pots. So troughs and big water butts and things like that. And we've created two areas. The first area is down at the end of the garden in front of the remaining fence panel. We need something there that that's in the shadier part of the garden that hides that particular fence panel that still looks nice but doesn't draw my attention to to it too much it needs to be the same color as the background behind it i.e the vegetation behind the fence because then it will seem to blend in a little more and i won't notice the end of my garden quite so much we've put some plants in there and we've put some tall plants in there that will just provide a privacy screen from the houses that are on the other side of the river. So that's why those are there. 
But then nearer the house, we've decided to go for things that are really brighter and bold and will capture your attention and capture your interest because we want people to look at those. We want people to sit in the conservatory and really notice those plants in the pots here, which aren't natural to the environment that they've got there, but they're far enough away from the natural environment, i.e. the end of the fence we've removed, to be okay. You know, they're saying, here's my garden and there's the rest of the natural world. Now, the third element that we've put in, we've looked at the, the, the planting on the raised borders on the right hand side. And I have to say, initially, when I did see a photograph, and I'm sure Lorraine won't mind, um, I did kind of think they looked a little bit like the seven dwarfs. There were, there were three tall conifers all clipped within an inch of their life into a regimented sort of uh, rocket shapes. And then there were a collection of seven smaller conifers again that were just totally clipped into these rather strange dome-shaped shapes that just sat there and did absolutely nothing. Now I like topiary but this isn't right and it didn't do anything and it was dark green conifer in front of a dark green conifer hedge so there's nothing of interest there whatsoever but Lorraine needed something that was really low maintenance but was also very pretty and very colourful. So we've simply created an Acer plantation for her. Now Acers are lovely small garden trees. They're fabulous trees that you can have because they have beautiful autumn colour. They don't grow too big. They have wonderful leaf shapes. They come in a huge variety of shapes and styles. So we've shown a few different Acers that can grow in that border that will just over the period of the, of the year, they will lose their leaves and they'll come into leaf and the leaf will go from a yellow to a green to a red and then drop off again. So you have this border that will be very low maintenance where the aces will absolutely love living there because it's sheltered, it's, it's not too windy, so the leaves won't get burnt, it's not too hot and they have plenty of rain. So they'll really grow well there and they get the lovely evening sunshine so the colours in the autumn are going to be good. And that's it. We've essentially identified what we can see that's wrong with the garden. What doesn't make it feel like a garden? What things are jarring with you? And we've tried to change the garden in a way so that it fits in with the environment more. Now, the last little bit that we've put in and that we've suggested that, that you do is the fence at the end of the garden, this little post and rail fence that we put in, now can be planted and that area can be planted with a variety of really natural spring and summer flowering, early summer flowering bulbs that can gradually naturalise their way down the riverbank and maybe if she's feeling very, in, in, very brave she can cross the small stream and plant some on the riverbank the other side. As you're sitting in your conservatory, all of a sudden come the spring, the riverbank bursts forth with some beautiful coloured spring flowers. Uh, and all of a sudden, when you're in your garden, rather than feeling that you are a human in the natural world and you're excluding the natural world and excluding all that's good about the natural world from your box garden, we're actually welcoming part of that in and we're showing the difference between our garden 
and nature's garden. And hopefully, by doing it this way, you'll see that your garden can be part of the landscape more. It's easy to make it part of the landscape more. It doesn't have to cost a huge amount of money to transform your garden to make it something that's much more attractive to be in, that looks more attractive, that's also still just as low maintenance. She was very pleased, by the way. She did like her garden and I can't wait until she sends me some pictures of it. Um, and when I do uh, get some, I will put them on our Facebook page and I will pop them on the website so you can have a look. So you can see that at plantplots.com. Obviously, if you'd like to ask any questions or if you've got any queries about your garden or you want some help or advice or woe betide, you actually might want somebody to, to look at designing or redesigning your garden for you, do get in touch. My email is rachel at plantplots.com. Um, if you've liked this podcast, please do like it or share it or subscribe and all those other things. And I should look forward to talking to you shortly. This is Rachel McCartan from plantplots.com. And nice to talk to you and have a happy day gardening.